Welcome to the Blue Skies Dronecast, the podcast by UAV Hub. This is a podcast for the UK drone industry, discussing everything from the regulations, new drone models, and of course, speaking to you, people within the drone industry. Um, presented by Adam Giorgio, Tom Patterson, and Matthew Hurst. So, uh, hello everybody, welcome. Um, I suppose the first thing we'll need to do is actually introduce ourselves, just in case uh, you don't know who we are. I hope you do, but uh, you never know. So uh, I'll go I'll go first. My name's uh, Tom Patterson. I'm the uh, Chief Instructor at UAV Hub. I've been with the company now uh, for probably about six years. It's uh, scarily that long, actually. I came in uh, six years ago uh, with uh, with Matt Williams. He was uh, he's, still is the company director, obviously, of, uh, of UAV Hub. And I got into the industry basically by uh, sort of learning how to fly model aircraft, essentially. I sort of taught myself how to fly model helicopters and uh, fixed wing aircraft. Got into the drone industry as well by building my own uh, sort of UAVs with cameras underneath, etc. Uh, and uh, then took my PFCO, as it was called back then. So uh, again, it's gone through a few different name changes. But uh, again, it was the PFCO back then. Uh, I then joined UAV Hub uh, and we did a lot of uh, filming uh, to start with uh, within the company. So we did a lot of feature films and television projects programs with big sort of heavy lift drones and expensive cameras underneath uh, and uh, we've moved away from that now and we've sort of focused on the training a little bit more and so I'm the chief instructor teaching people how to fly uh, different types of UAVs and uh, also uh, teaching people about the rules and regulations as well so uh, that's my little introduction so uh, again Adam I guess we've got uh, got you on the line as well so do you want to introduce yourself to yeah, thanks, Tom. Um, so, yeah, my name's Adam. I'm the Operations Director at UAV Hub. Um, and a lot of people don't know, I'm actually the Accountable Manager for the training. So I took over from uh, from Matt in regards to being the Accountable Manager of the courses um, at the beginning of this year. So it's my responsibility to make sure that all of the CAA-approved courses, so our GBC, our A2CFC courses, are running smoothly, everything's fine. If there are any issues, it's my responsibility. Um, I joined the company back in 2016 now. Um, I am originally trained as a cameraman. Um, weirdly, not a UAV pilot as such, but <laughs> heavily involved with the regulations. Um, so it was my job when we switched over to the new regulations. So uh, the GVC course and the A2CFC course. I delved into the UAS regulations, new UAS regulations, and helped to develop the the brand new courses. I've edited the courses since they were uh, when they were back at the PFCO, so I helped develop their the online courses. So I've probably done the same course and listened to the same course about a hundred times now. Um, so <laughs> so I, I you should like know everything. <laughs> that's it. I'm quite well versed in uh, in the old and the new regulations, so I can I can almost parrot uh, a lot of things that Matt says now. Um, so yeah, that's that's a bit about me and. Um, Cool. Yeah. That's good. So you've obviously got the most important job, I think. There, it sounds like. <laughs> that's that's it. The, the 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 head. The, my, it's my head that rolls if anything goes wrong. Exactly. So that's why we've all got to be careful. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> nice, brilliant, cool. And we've also got uh, Matthew Hurst as well. Say hello, Matthew, and give you give yourself a bit of an introduction as well, if you like. Yeah, hey everybody. Uh, t- thanks for that, Tom. And uh, yeah, I think Adam's sort of uh, being a little bit shy in what he says about his skills and ability within the industry. He does know his way around a Mavic controller. He likes to keep that <laughs> secret. But uh, yeah, um, so my involvement with the company uh, revolves more around the practical side of things. So I'm more involved in flight training, flight assessments, etc. Um, and of course, also quite a bit of internal admin, etc. with regards to examinations and uh, 
uh, invigilating of, of uh, exams as well. Um, my background and experience is largely based on model aircraft experience in terms of training and um, high-level competition preparation, etc. So that's where my skill set sort of comes into its own and is relevant to teaching people to fly and also being able to judge effectively. Um, so I joined UAV Hub approximately two years ago or so and uh, was mentored up into the position I'm in now uh, by the whole team in effect, but initially by Tom, also by Matt Williams, and of course by Adam as well. So my knowledge of the regulations is relatively good, although I certainly wouldn't like to go up against Adam in a quiz. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> overall, I think I've got a good knowledge and um, really good sort of personal skills with the clients. So we seem to get a really good response uh, and, and sort of feedback from my interaction with them. That's great. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? You said two years ago, God, it only only feels like yesterday that we were out sort of at Cudmore doing the uh, doing the training. It's funny, isn't it? How quickly the time disappears. It's true. And a year of that's been spent out of the office as well. So uh, yeah, yeah, time's really flowing. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, there we go. Brilliant. Well, there we go. That was a quick introduction uh, from from ourselves, I suppose. And I suppose the next thing to sort of talk about is kind of the structure. So we do have a structure, even though this is the uh, the first episode. We've come up with sort of a, a nice sort of uh, sort of flow, I suppose, that we're hopefully going to emulate across uh, each week. So the idea is that we're going to have um, a central topic that we're going to discuss. Uh, so we'll have sort of a main topic that we'll go over, um, and that'll take up sort of half of the episode, I suppose, really. Uh, we're also going to potentially have um, guests coming in as well so we'll get some uh, different people from uh, across the industry to talk to and to interview I suppose as well. Uh, We're also going to try and have um, a weekly weather update as well so we'll see how we get on with that. It's always going to be touch and go with uh, whether we're correct or whether we're uh, totally wrong I suppose really but we're going to do our best. We might even throw in a few METAR and TAFs so if you know what that is then uh, obviously you'll you'll be in the know there with that knowledge too. Um, And we're also going to take your questions as well so we thought that would be a really good way of kind of getting some interaction I suppose with the listeners Uh, and what we're going to do is actually get you to send in your questions uh, as a voice note because then we can play you on the podcast and it'll sound like you've sort of phoned in and it makes it a little bit more interactive as well so we'll see how that goes and see how many uh, of you actually sort of want to sort of send in your questions etc that'd be great if you could uh, do that as well and last uh, uh, lastly we'll have um, a a rumor roundup as well so we'll have a few uh, different bits of news that we might have heard throughout the week and we'll have a quick chat about uh, what we think they're going to be like or whether they're true or not and uh, yeah we'll just sort of uh, get uh, Matthew and Adam's and myself's uh, point of view uh, too so that's kind of how it's going to work and hopefully should take about half an hour or so that's what we're trying to aim for for these episodes so not too long but uh, hopefully a decent uh, half an hour as well so I think that's uh, the introduction anything else anyone wants to add at all is that uh, everything covered? I think that's everything covered, Tom. Um, I think let's 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 crack on. Okay, cool. Sounds okay, good. then brilliant. So, what is our uh, topic for today? So, we've chosen a topic, and uh, basically, we're going to have a talk about is the A two C of C useless after twenty twenty three? So, quite a quite a serious subject there. And uh, obviously, again, we've kind of picked this information up from uh, sort of our, our students and the Facebook group, etc. And it does seem to appear uh, time and time again. And I think that's why we're sort of going to be talking about it. So I suppose we should hand it over to the person that knows all about it, which is Adam, obviously. So Adam, what do you think? Is it going to be useless uh, uh, after 2023? What do we think? It's an interesting one because I think there's a, a misunderstanding about the A2C of C. 
Uh, and there's this thing about the date of the 31st of December 2023. And everyone's saying, you know, it's absolutely useless after that date. It's it's not. It's just it's misunderstood of what the A2 CFC is designed for. So the, the 31st of December 2022 is the end date of something called a transitional provision. So what happened is when we adopted these new regulations from, from Europe, from EASA, there was a two-year period where the idea was that manufacturers are supposed to have started to say, right, we've got two years to adapt and or create new aircraft that now um, comply with the new regulations, these new certified drones. Hmm. So they give two years grace that allowed legacy drones so drones are on the market right now your mavic 2 pros your your your, your original mavics your phantom 4s uh, your mavic airs to still be flown with some leniency in the new open category yeah yeah so yeah so it's it's one of those interesting things that it's kind of it's not useless after 2023 because it's designed to be used with the c2 certified drones However, it is useless if you're only flying legacy drones after 2023, um, simply because after the 31st December 2022, you can't fly legacy drones in either the A2 or the A1 subcategory of the open category. I see. So I think a lot of people assume after that date, they've got to throw their Mavic in the bin and they can't use it anymore. That's not the way it's going to go. They'll still be able to use it, won't they? But potentially in the, the A3 category, I suppose. Is that the idea? That's it. So once these legacy transitional provisions end, you can fly any drone, whether it's you know, your Mavic 2 Pros, your Mavic Air 2, your Air 2S, whatever it might be, in the A3 subcategory. I suppose this is where there's a bit of, um, I suppose, a bone of contention with the regulations where, you know, you've spent all this money, especially if you've just gone and bought, you know, an, an Air 2S, for example, you know, they're, they're a couple of months old now, if that. Mm. Um, you've gone and bought this brand new aircraft and you go, what? I, I can't fly it with my A2C of C in, in 18 months time. It's, yeah, sorry, it's not our <laughs> fault. Um, I suppose the idea... The idea is that, you know, in, in two, three, four years' time, all these legacy aircraft will be completely redundant. You know, you won't be able to get the parts, you, the batteries will be degrading. Mm. By that point, um, the everyone will be flying new drones. They'll be flying certified drones. So it's one of those, I suppose, short-term pain for long-term gain. Yeah, I see. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose for people who don't know, what, what, what would happen if you do... Uh, or if you, if we're made to fly in the A3 category, what's the the biggest change from sort of the A2 category? It's the distances, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. So um, the your drones between 500 grams and two kilograms. So the likes of your your Mavic 2 Pros, your Air 2S, your Phantom 4s, um, under the A2 transitional provision with an A2 CFC, you can fly in these built-up areas. These mm. areas used for recreational, industrial, residential and commercial purposes. Now, the A3 subcategory, you can't fly in any of those areas. You've got to stay 150 metres away from recreational, commercial, industrial, oh. and residential areas. Um, so really, the only places you can fly in the A3 subcategory are really rural areas, you know, these farmlands. Right. Um, you, know, you can't go fly in your local park because it's a recreational area. 
you're going to have to fly in private land unless you've got you know an, an exceptionally big garden yeah. um in the middle of nowhere um and this is this i suppose is the the issue now because people are feel like they're having it you know something handed to them and then it being snatched away i suppose mm. yeah um, but like i say you know that if people think well you know i'll probably end up retiring a lot of the aircraft in a couple of years time like you do with you know, with your things like an iphone you know everyone or or any phone, I suppose, you know, you mm. tend to keep it for two, three years maximum, maybe four years at a push, but by that point your batteries are going, the software's no longer being updated, um, so at which point you'll usually, you know, upgrade to something else. By which point, you know, I say two, three, four years time, it'll it'll all be certified drones then. Yeah, that's it. So basically that's what we're waiting for, isn't it? It's these uh certified drones which then obviously are able to be used in the correct category and uh moving forward we should be able to use those indefinitely i suppose really and i guess that's just what people are waiting for and we keep thinking don't we oh the next drone they release will be uh, a certified drone and then lo and behold <laughs> it's not so yeah i guess that's the next kind of uh sort of not subject but you know an interesting sort of conversational piece is when when do we think we're going to get these uh, these certified drones anyone got any ideas or well, if I can say a couple of words here, just um, jumping back a step slightly to what Adam was talking about with regards to uh, moving on with technology. Part of my experience, of course, is in the retail industry, and I was around mm. in the retail industry uh, from very on and early on in the life of DJI and, and what we see as modern drones today. And I can also uh, say from experience that when we did the transition through the generations of Phantoms when they were current aircraft, people were extremely worried about support in terms of parts and batteries, etc. for their Phantom 2s when the Phantom 3 generation came out. And interestingly, the demand dropped away just as quickly as it rose because everybody transitioned over to the new technology when they saw the benefits in the technology. So I think it's inevitable in a technologically driven industry such as ours that as things move along, there will be a smooth transition. And of course, the manufacturers are aware of that. Apart from the fact that they're benefiting from it, they're also driving their technology and, and their market thrives on it. Um, in terms of certification, it's an, it's imminent. It has to happen. We know it has to happen, as Adam's just explained with regards to the official uh, timing of the regulations. Uh, but in terms of the actual launch of the first aircraft, we're yet to have any official information from any of the manufacturers, unless any of you have picked anything up while I've been out in the field today. <laughs> No, <laughs> not not today. Unfortunately, no, no. We're still we're still waiting on that. Yeah, um, it's one of those things, I guess, isn't it? We're waiting for these aircraft, but do we think the older ones are going to get sort of uh, sort of certified with a firmware update or you know a, a different sort of set of parts that you could fit to them? Do we think that's going to happen or not? So it's an interesting one, actually. That um, if you look at the regulations, if you look at the del, I believe it's the delegated regulations that it's in specifically. There is no wording specifically to say that it can be retro certified. Mm-hmm. So that they have said that it can't be retro certified by the by the means of a firmware update. However, I'd say there's nothing stopping DJI saying, well, if they can, re- I'd say they release the the Air Two S again because it's you new. Know, it's one of the latest aircraft they've just released. Let's say, for example, that they say, "Okay, well, we've now we've now got ready the Air Two S that's now a C One C Two aircraft, whatever it you know it complies to." It may be possible 
in my opinion, that they could do a trading program, maybe, where you know, where you send your older Air 2S back to DJI and they, you know, retro mod it so it can now complies with, but it can't be done just simply through a firmware. It has to be, it has to physically comply with. And that's the thing. A lot of people think, oh, you know, it's got a, a tripod mode. You know, we are, you know, that's that's it's that's low speed mode. It's 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 not about this low speed mode, especially when we talk about C2 drones. It's it's about making it safe to fly it has to make sure that um you know it's it's impact energy if it was to hit a human head um is below you know a certain impact energy um it has to have potentially you know, crumple zones on it so it's the way that these are designed it it has to comply specifically and it has to be independently verified so it's not going to be unfortunately an easy thing through a firmware update but there's nothing stopping dj let's say doing a trading program mm. but i'd say i'd play devil's advocate with that as a large commercial enterprise would dji say well we'll do this for free when they could quite rightly probably say well we'll just release a mavic air 3 or air 3 whatever they end up calling it and say well there you go that one's certified fork out another six seven hundred pounds thank you very much yeah that's true and we normally end up buying the next model don't we we see their adverts and uh all the uh the marketing bits and pieces and yeah it's quite easy to think i don't need that aircraft and then you watch the advert and you think actually maybe i do and you can convince yourself so yeah i'm sure that's what they're going to do isn't it with uh, with the certified aircraft and that'll i think convince even more people because then it suddenly makes the a2c of c even more worthwhile i think doesn't it as soon as these certified aircraft come out i think that will then give a new lease of life to the a2 uh, qualification i think doesn't it because then you're back into using uh, even smaller distances aren't you actually as well so the certified aircraft are going to get uh, even better kind of um, clearances from from people isn't it is that right absolutely i mean if you look at the c2 aircraft they're up to going to be up to 4 kilograms so wow potentially the inspire you know the Inspire range is circa four kilos. Mm. We could we could be seeing the next generation of Inspired if you know we haven't seen uh, you know the Inspire two's getting on now. We haven't seen we've seen nothing about an Inspire three. If they release an Inspire three that is C two certified, it could be an absolute game changer because you could go down to five meters in a low speed mode with an incredible drone. Which previously you would have needed something called an operating safety case, you know, an expensive safety case to do this. So Adam, in a nutshell, then we're actually talking about the ultimate combination would be an A2 CFC and a certified aircraft, which allows us incredible opportunity to take advantage of very low separation distances and high quality equipment that's really commercially capable. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a a complete game changer, to be honest, as soon as these new aircraft comes in. I think it's going to be a um a blending of you know the regulations forcing technology to be um used in a safe way mm. without you know the end user actually having to fork out large sums of money you know the the risk assessment has already been done by the likes of the manufacturers making sure that their aircraft is safe to fly the reg- the regulatory bodies have certified these aircraft to be safe to fly we're based on certain caveats, you know, making sure that you use the one-to-one rule. You know, making sure that if you're up to up at ten meters um, height, that you stay ten meters from uh, your uninvolved people. You know, as long as you've got these safety measures in place, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. You know, for the likes of inspections in in city centres. 
So, yeah. Adam, just to clarify um, another point that I know gets discussed regularly, uh, you're saying then that this A2 certification can also be used commercially. There's not sort of a limitation with regards to what we can do apart from uh, separation from people and the safety aspects in terms of commercial. Is, is that is that? Can you confirm that for us? Yeah. So um, under the new regulations, when we adopted them, the requirement to hold a permission to operate commercially, what was the PFCO, a permission for commercial operation, disappeared. It's all based on risk now. Okay. So anything you want to do with your drone, com- you can do it commercially or as a hobby. The only caveat is if you are doing commercial work, you do need to make sure you have the appropriate insurance in place. Okay, and I suppose that makes sense for for normal camera work and so on as well. So that's a logical step. So in effect, what you're saying is that the permissions allow you to fly in places where you wouldn't otherwise be able to fly, but the fact that you're going to do a commercial flight is actually irrelevant. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't matter whether it's commercial or, or not. You'll provide you've got the correct aircraft, the correct certification or authorization. Yeah, you can do so. And suitable insurance in place. Yeah, fantastic. All right, I think that's probably clarified a detail which a lot of people have struggled to understand. So thanks for that, Adam. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we get that a lot, don't we, I think? Yeah. So no, it is interesting. And I think people get fed up with the rules and regulations, etc. But actually, I think they've changed for the better this time, haven't they? Like you were mentioning, being able to use such a decent aircraft within five metres is, is almost unheard of. You know, we were talking about OSCs, which cost thousands of pounds, don't they, to do that? And I don't even think people have got them up to five metres. I think 10 metres is sort of normally the, the closest you can fly with those aircraft. So it is great. We're just waiting for these these certified aircraft, aren't we, I suppose? And uh, I guess we can touch on one more thing before we sort of move on. Uh, and that's if people want to carry on flying their legacy aircraft. Obviously, they're stuck with the A3 category, potentially. Is there anything else they can do to kind of... Uh, sort of you know make their aircraft more usable if they don't want to buy a certified aircraft is there anything they can do there yeah so i suppose if they want to continue to fly their drones in these built-up areas they could look at doing a gbc course a general visual line of sight certificate and then get an operational authorization from the ca now the only problem with that is you know the a2c of c you don't need to apply to the CA for anything. So the only cost involved is what you pay to your training provider, whether that's with UAV Hub. And it's come down relatively uh, relatively fast in terms of cost. Whereas with the GBC, you have an ongoing cost. You have the obviously the training cost with your, your RE, your recognized assessment entity. Again, UAV Hub, if, if you're trained with ourselves. Then you've got the application fee to the CAA for the operational authorization. Uh, that's £253 at the moment. And then you have to renew that every 12 months. Um, and that's about £190. It usually goes up with inflation each year. So you've got those ongoing costs and you've got to weigh up whether you're know, doing a course, doing uh, getting the operational authorization is worth it for your you know, £500, £1,000 aircraft to keep it going beyond the transitional provisions. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So it's a decision, isn't it, I guess. But at least there's options, I suppose, really. But people might prefer to actually, yeah, put their money into, you know, the newer aircraft instead. And actually, 
work commercially or fly with their aircraft in a much easier way than actually having to deal with the renewals, the ops manuals and all of that side of things as well. So yeah, I think it will be interesting, especially as we get close to uh, this date, I think it'll get even more interesting and uh, hopefully by then we'll have a few different aircraft to choose from and uh, everyone would be happy, I suppose really, that's the idea, isn't it? So anything else people want to talk about um, from uh, from that subject or are we happy to, happy to move on? What do you reckon? I think that's covered most of the uh, the A2CFC. So yeah, just to kind of sum it up, you know what? It's not useless. It's not useless no. at all. You know, for for a, a relatively small investment in the course, you can do a lot with your you know sub two kilogram drones. For you know the next eighteen months, you know if you if you're listening to it now, you know we're mid June, twenty twenty one. You've got until the very end of twenty twenty two. So from today, about eighteen months. Um, mm. So certainly worth doing. And you know what? After that point, you then set up for those C2 certified drones. Perfect. Yeah, I think that makes sense, doesn't it? All, all good, Matthew? All yeah, that exactly. makes sense to you as well? Yeah, super. I think no time like the present. I think now's the best opportunity for you to start making use of your A2 CFC, get used to what the permission allows you to do, and look forward to even better permissions when you do make the transition to a certified aircraft in the future. So yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that definitely is true as well, isn't yeah. it? So the uh, other thing, the other thing. Sorry, Tom. Uh, the other right. thing to to mention, of course, uh, with regard to our course specifically to UAV Hub, is that uh, the A two C of C is done purely online. So there's no need to go out and do a flight test or uh, appear in a in a classroom or anything like that. So it makes it really practical to gain these permissions without having to go uh, and invest a lot of time either, apart from the cost of the course. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's another bonus, isn't it? For sure. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, then. So um, I think what we'll do now is have a a small interlude before we then move on um, to some questions. The weather is, of course, always a consideration for drone flyers. So for this reason, we've decided to include a brief overview of the weather for the next seven days or so ahead of each podcast. Following a couple of cooler days down south in the London area, it looks as though temperatures will be increasing throughout the next seven days or so, ending up in around the low 20 degrees Celsius. The good news continues because rain is becoming less and less likely during the coming days as well, although having said that, it may become a little more breezy than it has been at recent times. However, still well within most of the drone's limits. Up to the Midlands now, and temperatures remain relatively stable at around the 20 degree mark. There is however some rain forecast early in this week, but that should have dried up by the time the weekend comes around when most people are wanting to get out and fly. Predicted wind speeds look to be good too maxing out at about 12 miles per hour. Up in the north of the UK, in Scotland, things are looking exceptionally good with temperatures floating around a really comfortable level of 18 to 20 degrees Celsius. Very low chances of rain in the next seven days or so, and the wind is well under the 10 mile per hour limit, so it looks like a fantastic time to be out and making the most of these beautiful conditions for drone flying. Okay then, so this is uh, the part of the podcast where we actually uh, receive some questions uh, from the listeners. So uh, the idea here, obviously this is the first episode, so we don't actually have any questions uh, for this episode. But the idea is to basically send in uh, your questions uh, to dronecast at UAV Hub. Okay, so send us an email at dronecast at UAV Hub. Uh, com. And if you can, send it as uh, a voice note. So just uh, use your phone to record uh, a quick 
sort of 60 second question if you don't mind uh, and send it into us with obviously your name and uh, where you are as well and uh, we can then play uh, your question on the podcast and then answer it live uh, afterwards as well so that's the idea so uh, obviously yep yeah, dronecast at uav hub and uh, again send in as many questions uh, as you like and we'll try and get through them as best we can uh, in future episodes as well okay Great. Okay, then. So we'll look forward to that uh, next week. Hopefully we'll get some good ones. Uh, And the final part then, really, that we need to have a quick chat uh, over before we uh, finish off um, is uh, the rumour mill. So we do have quite a good uh, rumour this week, I think, actually. And uh, I think uh, Matthew came up with this one. So what I might do is just hand it over to Matthew and uh, we'll all have a little chat about what we think about uh, the DJI Mini 3. Over to you, Matthew. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, so this is something I picked up online in the last couple of days. Um, and <laughs> a number of people have spoken about DJI as uh, having the worst kept secrets when it comes to their most recent <laughs> releases. Generally speaking, historically, DJI have been extremely tight-lipped about the sort of launch dates and what their new products may be, right down to whether it's a drone or whether it's a handheld gimbal, for example. So uh, yeah. it's always been a, a mystery. But um, the last couple of times that they've launched new aircraft, there's always seemed to be a controlled leak, although DJI have never confirmed that. They'd pop up here and there on retailers' stores and then sort of photos would appear on the internet. Generally really bad quality photos for whatever reason, but they'd appear on the internet <laughs> uh, and sort of the, the rumor would start. And from there, of course, uh, like wildfire, the, the rumor spreads very quickly. But yeah, did a little bit of delving in, did a little bit of Googling around, and I think there's only so much information available so far. But so far, what we've managed to gather is that, uh, first of all, DJI seems to have moved away from the name Mavic entirely because it looks like the new aircraft is simply going to be called Mini, uh, but it will be Uh the Mini SE as opposed to the Mini 3, which is an easy assumption to make. So it's third generation. uh, But in all likelihood, what it looks to be, having looked at the specifications that are out there and being rumored, is that it's more like a relaunch of the original Mavic Mini at a better price point. So I think in a competitive market, Uh, There's a number of other aircraft which sort of fit into a similar category in terms of capability and size and weight, etc. And I think DJI have probably found themselves in a position where their aircraft's a little bit expensive compared to a couple of the competitors. So it looks like in the UK market, if it does appear here, because there's no confirmed confirmation of that, but if it does appear in the UK market, we'd probably be looking at something in the region of the £220 mark, perhaps a little under that. Uh, And there's a little bit of uncertainty as to with regard to what the spec will be, what control it will come with etc will it have multiple batteries is it a combo set etc so at this point uh, the specification looks to be very similar to the original Mavic Mini as I say at a better price point uh, and still with a 2.7k 12 megapixel camera so uh, yeah I think it's an exciting little aircraft I think there is a gap in the market for that Uh, who doesn't want that sort of capability and quality at that price point Mm, yeah exactly and I think that's really the only sector that DJI kind of need to fall into obviously they've got the little Tello haven't they that's a hundred pounds which is great um my wife's uh, father's got one and I've tried it out it's very very good it flies very well for a little aircraft with no GPS etc but then there's quite a big jump isn't there up to uh, the Mini 2 and I think if they can have something that's kind of in between as soon as they get more people into that ecosystem with that cheap DJI drone they're obviously then just going to carry on buying them for the rest of their lives I should imagine so yeah it's a great Great idea, I think. And interesting that the camera is actually still uh, 2.7K potentially, which is good. I thought they might just go for 1080, you know, and sort of be done with it. But uh, obviously not as well. So it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, very interesting, isn't it? 
Yeah, for sure. I think, um, as I said, I think it's quite an exciting product in terms of price point from a retailer's perspective. Um, we're looking at sort of roughly something in the region of half the price of a Mini 2. And in all likelihood, I think for a lot of users, this drone's going to have the capability that everybody requires. We don't necessarily need 4K video, particularly if we're just doing, you know, film of the kids on their bicycles, etc., and just sort of recreational stuff. Uh, why would we need 4K video for that? So yeah, I think it's an exciting little product. Uh, although I doubt whether it would be suitable for any kind of commercial work no that's it yeah might just uh, miss the mark on that one potentially mine it but uh yeah anything to add adam at all is that i think we've covered most things there, haven't we well it's interesting i mean do you think it's going to have the uh, the ocusync from what I could see, and also looking at the cost, I doubt it would have OcuSync. OcuSync is, of course, the uh, later generation of control system uh, or communication system, should I say, uh, which extends the range. It just makes it generally more reliable at long range. But I think probably for something like the Mavic Mini, given the regulations in the UK and the fact that we have to maintain visual line of sight throughout the flight, it's very unlikely that the original control system would ever limit your ability to use the drone to its full, uh, provided you're operating legally so i think in all likelihood uh there's not a lot to be missed with regard to going for the cheaper model as a hobbyist i suppose just coming back um, from from my point of view from a a regulation point of view actually because um a lot of people don't realize unless they actually delve in actually with with these sub 250 gram drones you you can't fly them more than 120 meters away from yourself in the uk anyway and 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 the rest of europe so um i suppose the fact that it it doesn't have OcuSync, and provided you do stay within the regulations and you don't fly it out to more, more than 120 meters away from yourself as the remote pilot, then you should be fine. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. There's no doubt that the existing technology was more than adequate for that sort of range. And on a practical level, having flown these aircraft myself and having trained students with some of these uh, Mavic Minis, realistically, we found that the limit is something in the region of about 70 or 80 meters. It's literally as far as you can see and orientate a small aircraft like that. I mean, uh, for those that haven't had one in their hand, the Mavic Mini is a tiny little machine, um, absolutely beautifully made. Uh, but it's a tiny little 250 gram aircraft, which literally fits in the palm of your hand. So, um, yeah, as you say, Adam, I don't think the technology is going to be limiting the use of the drone, uh, particularly for legal use. No, that's it. Yeah, it sounds good. It'll probably be similar to the Spark that always had just the standard sort of Wi-Fi connection, didn't it? Which was actually adequate for what you could use it for, actually. So that's uh, definitely uh, not a, not a sort of a, a bad bad sign, I don't think, either, really. So, no, it's interesting. So we'll uh, we'll wait with bated breath, I think, for that and uh, see when it materialises and, uh, yeah, see if it's uh, any good, I suppose, really. Yeah. So um, And, of yeah. course, the one other point which we haven't mentioned is whether or not it'll be certified. And I think, Adam, you could probably comment better on that as to whether you think, first of all, it will be, and secondly, is it necessary for it to be certified at this point in time? Yeah, so it's an interesting one with the 250 gram drone ones because um, it doesn't really make much difference. Um, if it is certified, then it'd be a C0 aircraft. Um, but even if it isn't, because it's under 250 grams anyway, it isn't affected by the transitional provisions. You can continue to fly those drones, your Mini 2s, your, your original Mini, the Mini SE, if, it, if that is what it ends up being, um, beyond the transitional provisions. So it's something that's actually, you're not going to, feel like you're missing out on um, when when the regulations um well they don't change once the uh, the transition provisions end 
on uh, the 31st December 2022. Ah, good news. So, so anybody who's interested in that aircraft, of course, can can dive straight in with confidence and feel assured that irrespective of what I said earlier about people following the trends of technology moving forward, they will be able to continue using this specific aircraft because it's sub 250 gram. Absolutely. Super. Yeah. Not bad, is it? Yeah, those little drones under 250 are quite interesting, aren't they, actually? Yeah, it's always uh, always uh, how how much technology can they pack into under 250 grams? It's always very interesting. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I guess we'll find out. So I think we can wrap up uh, the rumour mill uh, for this week. So uh, basically now we can just finish off uh, with uh, a sort of a summary uh, and a conclusion, I suppose, really. So uh, I guess we've answered the question now, is the A2 CFC going to be useless in 2023? And we've basically said, no, we don't think it's going to be it's going to be very useful uh, especially when these uh, certified aircraft appear as well so that'll be uh, something to look forward to and something to kind of future proof yourself with um, as well which is always good um, we've also mentioned about questions so don't forget if you want to send in uh, any questions uh, to us send them to dronecast at uav hub and like i said send it as a voice message uh, or a voice memo even uh, try and keep it to about 60 seconds if you can that means we can get through a couple potentially per episode and uh, yeah we'll do our best to answer your questions um, as well so uh, anyone got anything else to add at all or how are we done what do you reckon all good from me yeah lovely I'm happy enough thanks Tom I think it's been great um, for our first episode I think we've covered some good content and um, yeah I think people will certainly enjoy this so look forward to recording a few more in future with you guys Great, perfect. There we go. Well, the first episode uh, in the bag, I think, which is always good. So I guess all we need to do now is uh, say uh, see you all next week. And uh, I guess we need to use our catchphrase as well. So uh, yeah, fly safe and blue skies, everyone. See you later. Also, one other point, don't forget to uh, subscribe uh, to the podcast. That way uh, it will find its way into your podcast app uh, each week automatically, which is always useful. doesn't cost anything, but means uh, you'll get uh, the podcast as soon as we release it. Uh, and also don't forget to give us a review if you don't mind as well. It all helps. Uh, say what you think of it and uh, obviously give us a positive review and that will help us keep relatively close to the top of uh, the sort of drone and UAV related content uh, on your favourite podcast service. So yeah, thank you very much. Thank you.